to say what I feel. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2014. <laughs> Welcome to the Out on the Lanai podcast, the only Golden Girls podcast that you will ever need to listen to. I'm H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we have a friend over to watch and talk about an episode of the Golden Girls. And we're going chronologically, all seven seasons. Uh, so we're on season one, episode two, which was Guess Who's Coming to the Wedding. The original air date was September 21st, 1985. And it's sort of like a two-issue episode because it, it takes around Dorothy's daughter's wedding. Um, well, oh, oh yes, I need to, <laughs> Carrie's pointing to our guest. I probably should introduce him before I eagerly talk about the episode that we're talking about. Um, our very special guest is yes. a dear friend of both of ours, Mr. Brent Sullivan, Welcome, a hilarious Brent. comedian. Mm. He's yawning, but not because of the Thank episode. Thank you, guys. I'm very hungover. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, two, two out of the three of us are pretty hungover. Right yeah, now. yeah. I <laughs> am as sober as a jaybird. I think Alan, uh, your are... bed looks like it's out of the Golden Girls. Yep, it has my, like a very, I like, do. I have distinguished, a... old-timey-looking yeah, quilt yeah, on top. I know. I guess. quilt looking. I got that in Branson, Missouri, oh, actually. Are you serious? Christian Las Vegas. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Right. Um, so, the episode takes place, it's like, like I said, it's a sort of a two-storyline episode where um, it is about Dorothy's daughter's wedding. Um, she's getting married to a doctor, a podiatrist. Why? Everybody hates foot doctors. Like, yeah. I mean, Everybody they're not real doctors. On the foot doctor. They're not real doctors. <laughs> I also feel like, I mean, a, a, I mean, I always feel so terrible for someone who has like a foot condition or a foot because mm-hmm. it's we like need you have to doctors. be, yeah, you have to be reminded <laughs> every step you take that you're like that you're primary quote, care sick. physicians yeah. could handle the job of a foot doctor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how much easy would I don't know? I, I feel like so. there, 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 a lot of shit can go wrong with your feet, and I feel like that's just too much for primary care to take on. Really. You know? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk about that after the episode, because <laughs> it has nothing to do with the episode. Yeah. And then, so, she's getting married to a podiatrist. Named Dennis. Named Dennis. What was her name? Kate. Kate. I always forget her name. And uh, and then the second storyline is Kate, of course, wants her father, Stan, to come to the wedding. But before this episode, Dorothy had been left two years ago, very dramatically, with no word by Stan for um, a younger woman named Chrissy, and he moved to Hawaii with Chrissy, and... Dorothy's obviously very angry about this. So this is the reunion, the first time Dorothy has seen Stan in the two years since he last left her. Uh, so it talks, it, it deals with Dorothy's sort of like coming to terms with this abrupt sort of departure of her husband of 38 years and also the marriage of her daughter, Kate, to a podiatrist. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the episode. And yeah. also Betty White. <laughs> Betty, Betty White oh, that's right. these yes. cheese balls. That cheese ball Nazi. Like... It really, it's like the worst C-plot I've ever heard yeah. in my life. It is yeah. the weakest B-story of any Golden Girls episode. It's not even a B-story. We should probably like, explain what a B-story is. So, yeah. so they, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the A-story is the main story, which yes. is the one about the wedding. And they always have a B-story, which usually is meant to to service the A-story in some manner. But, but this in time, no way services the main story. No, this it's was such a like great... It's literally like two... It's two like beats. Two beats. Yeah. 
Yeah. Someone's stealing my cheese balls, and then the cheese balls suck. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's, that's the yeah. whole thing. That's the it's whole so thing. Also, while you're watching the episode, I don't think it had to be quite settled on what a cheese ball was. I think a cheese ball, honestly, is like it's like a it's a ball, obviously, of cheese, but it's there's probably a marinade yeah. of some sort. The thing, there's like something, or maybe or there's it's balled olives. Like there's something in it. So you yeah. think that? So you go to the grocery store, you buy what? Like a goat cheese? You can buy a ricotta. No, no, I bet I bet like a low grade like something you can not necessarily a Vita, but like a low-grade cheddar, can, like a can, malleable cheddar. Okay, or yes, something, something yeah. that you could, yeah. yeah, maybe like a hunk of cheddar, mm. right? And then you kind of like mold it kinda with your hands, it, right, right? Stick some shit but then in, again, maybe you Rose batter was it known with for like really bad Down Scandinavian. Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, recipes. there's probably herring in it, of yes, course. Yes, of course. But yeah, the secret recipes: herring or cornflakes. They yeah. looked like little yeah. meatballs to me. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they're balls. Yeah. yeah. Do you think she used a melon baller to make it, or do you think it was by That's hand? That's what I envisioned, too. Yeah. When I hear mm-hmm. cheese ball, I think, well, you use a melon ball for mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've already spent more time talking about the shitty the cheese ball. Than, uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the, so, first off, Brent, you, as you said before the episode started, you're not a huge fan of the Golden Girls. You ha- you're not you're right. familiar with them. You've seen a few episodes. I watched it, obviously, in syndication growing up, uh, and I enjoyed it as a kid. And I enjoy the show. I don't lose my mind for the show. Yeah. So I don't. I wouldn't say that I go out of my way. I have a friend. We have a friend who literally has it on mm-hmm. in the background of his apartment, actually twenty four hours. Elliot a day. Glazer. Elliot yeah, Glazer. He's gonna have a very special episode. Yeah, I'm it's sure. a very comforting thing to have it on in the background. It is. It is. I, fi- I don't know. I'm also when it comes to entertainment, I find it hard to watch. This is. This is. I think. I won't quite compare it with Cheers, but it's like Cheers and so far. It's, I think, a well-made, funny mm-hmm. show that holds up, but it still reminds you so much. I mean, that, that show aired when I was two years old, and there's something so uncomfortable about that for some reason. Yeah. For me, it's like, to think that this is a really bizarre, morbid way of viewing it, but to think that, you know, most of the crew, uh, most of the cast, probably a good number of the crew have died. Yeah. <laughs> this was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, I just find that so strange. 30, almost 30. 30, yeah, 30, sorry, yeah, 30 years yeah. ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just find that so strange. So watching, I've always been like, someone who likes modern, new stuff, uh, as opposed to old entertainment, you know? There was a fun moment Brent asked if, well, he just, you, you blatantly said, like, they're all dead, right? And, and <laughs> I, John and I were like, no! No! Betty's still Betty's with alive. us! Betty's around! She's 91. She's kicking. She's 91? 92, I think. 92, Jesus. Yeah. And she's still working. Still working. She's oh, worked in show yeah. business for, like, 70 years. She created show business. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, a friend of mine met her recently and was like, she's so humble. Who met her? And, uh, Megan. Oh, Megan Gans. I hate her. Uh, this is a couple of years ago, but she's like, she's so humble and funny and quick. Yeah. And she's everything that you want her to be. Of course. Uh, she is. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what I said during uh, the very, at the very beginning of the show, there was always this urban legend that I heard about that it was originally conceived, pitched, or just conceived of uh, four gay men living together yeah. in a home. Uh, but that was obviously for the mid to early that. 80s. I haven't either. Someone, and I, I, don't I genuinely am not trying to represent this as if it's true. I just heard someone say it once. They might have even proposed it like it. Like they wanted it because to be true. Because as when you watch the show, you think, I could see gay men fitting these roles. Cause well, the first episode sort of a bitchy a one. They're, they're, they're all kind of bitchy. There's a slutty one. There's a couple bitchy ones. So I could see that kind of fitting within the stereotypes of gay community. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that was something... You I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would doubt NBC would greenlight an all-gay sitcom 
1985. Well, I think that's. I think the idea was that that's why it wasn't. That's why it did. That's why it was that's transformed into yeah. Golden Girls is, was because. I mean, Susan the Harris idea. created the show, and she also created. Um, she was part of Soap, which mm. is the first show that had an openly gay character on it, mm. and she, you know, had, she was a part of all these sort of like groundbreaking late 70s shows and she worked with Norman Lear a lot so it was all in the family and Maude she was on yeah. so there was a lot of like really groundbreaking work that she was doing so um, I don't think she would have conceived an all gay yeah. male she seems so before because I mean her voice is very feminist I mean it's it's you know she she wrote on Maude I think she yeah. wrote the abortion episode of Maude like yeah. you know she's a so I would question that but that said on the very first episode the there was a housekeeper who was gay, um, very openly gay mm. and it was Coco. I mean Coco R.I.P. Coco R.I.P. I mean he's not really yeah. dead okay. the character the character, the character <laughs> is dead um, and and does so he, I does mean, he die of AIDS no no he doesn't even die they don't talk about AIDS until like Two seasons in. Do they address seasons. AIDS? Oh yeah, there's a great episode yeah. coming down on How to Mill and I that will feature be on roses. Next season, right? She uh, has a yeah. blood transfusion and she's afraid she might have AIDS. Yeah, oh, it's a great episode. We'll, we'll invite you back for that. One. Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's a great episode. Can we talk about how this episode was B. Arthur's episode? Of course it was. Like yes, it was. Yeah. She has this great monologue at the end where she finally gets to confront Stanley. Oh. She gets tears in her eyes. Real she, tears, like, too. Yeah. Real tears. You can yeah, see you the can, tears. You can see it's like a, it's, you can see it's like a, it's like a paused close-up. So it's yeah. like, I bet they had to like really coax her to get tears. Of course. <laughs> but, you know, and they're like, shoot it, shoot it! Ten minutes, right, ten yeah. minutes to get she it. She thought about shoot her it, time shoot it. during the war. Uh, oh, that's right. She Wait, was wasn't Navy. she in the war? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in the Navy. She was in the Navy, I believe. Yeah. And her outfit for the wedding. First, there was a lot of pink in this episode. A lot of pink. There was one point where... It was Miami um, in the 80s. I know, but yeah. still, there was one point where you have Dorothy and Blanche, both wearing different shades of pink, sitting on a couch that also has a lot of pink in it. It was just very... Like, no one thought, maybe mm. is this too much pink. Or yeah, maybe they right, didn't. They were like, right. fuck it, I don't think it is too much pink. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. I mean, and maybe, sort of similar to Steel Magnolias, she wanted that that pink wedding. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you want a pink wedding, you get a pink mm-hmm. wedding. You follow the theme, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Her outfit was amazing. She had on this, like, white collar shirt with, like, a silver brooch. Yeah. And then she had on this, like, lacy pink long Loose, shirt over well, it. You know what? I was yeah. mentioning during and that. When you satin asked, pink pants. You asked, what, what do we think about the dress? And there's actually a really interesting, um, interesting article, I believe, or something that I read about the influence of Princess Diana's wedding dress on the wedding dress industry mm-hmm. and how really it defined sort mm-hmm. of wedding dresses for the 80s and you see on all these shows these wedding dresses even some later wow. on in the Golden Girls and they're all basically Diana's wedding dress mm-hmm. yeah really? it's uh it's what, was her wedding dress revolutionary or was it just, well, just a the whole event difference? was revolutionary yeah. Yeah. and people I mean because it happened people woke up at like four o'clock in the morning to watch the yeah. real wedding on TV yeah. like over here yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean I I watched the most and, recent and one we don't we don't care about hour. royalty I mean, a tenth as much as almost every other Commonwealth country and, like, European Well, we don't care about its, its sort of place in the scheme of our government, but we care about it in the place of sort of the, the extravagance of it, the history yeah, of it. The I think the of, history, yeah. yeah but it's, it's, definitely not, it's definitely not in the forefront. So it's not something we would ever subscribe to. Yeah. No, of course not. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. blog entries about the new princess. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Fuck. But I bet Blanche would be obsessed with royalty. Oh, yeah. My absolutely. grandma was obsessed yeah. with, uh, yeah. with yeah, the it's royal It's a thing. Family. I mean, I'm obsessed with the royal family. Mm-hmm. So Are you really? I am, yeah. I just find it so dull. I don't get it. 
I think it's, it's just, great. I think yeah. it's great. But then again, I'm obsessed with most old lady things. Uh, however, I will also say, I most European countries have their own royalty. Yeah. And I find that kind of fun, because at least I'm used to, I know the faces of, you know, the royal family. Yeah. I love... I love when there's like a Jack or something in yeah. the UK, and you're like, this guy's like really rich and powerful in theory, but like I've never heard of him, and yeah. he doesn't, yeah. know, you know. Uh, but then like Sweden mm-hmm. has like their own royal family, and they're always they always they're always like they look the part, you yeah. know. They're really good looking. They're also they're really for stepping down, wealthy, and giving and, it to the next person. Like the queen will step down as queen and make her son king. In Sweden. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a thumb. I, I read in the. Yeah, I guess I love I love the the low grade royalty just mm-hmm. because it's kind of a fun novelty yeah. to not know who they are. But yeah, know they're still really important. To, yeah. to some country. Well, and I'm like, I mean, it, it, in, in retrospect, like B. Arthur's that this B. Arthur, she was like that. The whole show was greenlighted because of B. Arthur and mm-hmm. Betty White. They were like the royalty of the show. The, the show was about them initially. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially about B. Arthur. I mean, she was like, she was TV royalty. She mm-hmm. was like. Seven next to um, uh, what's his next to Mary Tyler Moore and Ed Asner and all that group and like the whole All in the Family crew like B Arthur defined television in mm-hmm. many respects mm-hmm. and I mean it, that's why the episode I think was about about her and she sure. got it so early on. Yeah. What's funny is the first season the Emmy went to Betty White. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, isn't there a rumor? Um, that uh, B. Arthur never liked Betty White. Yeah, yeah they we talked about did. it in the yeah in the last yeah. episode. Oh, did you? They, they were never. Oh no, no. I mean, we'll talk about it every episode. <laughs> they they weren't fans of each other. But Betty, but B. Arthur also like Rue McClanahan talked about this. I was watching as I watch everything on YouTube in an sure. interview when uh, B. Arthur died that she was saying how B. Arthur was really reserved. She wouldn't eat with the crew or the cast. She just wasn't really friends with anybody. Um, she was a. She was a loner. She didn't really connect with people in a lot yeah. of ways. And she's yeah. also the reason why so many shows ended. I mean, she decides to leave shows. Mm-hmm. And she she feels like it has its run. And she even felt like the show should have ended in the fifth season. And not that she stayed on for the last few seasons. I'm glad yeah. she did, because I feel like that's where, like, Mitchell Hurwitz... Like, I feel like that's yeah. where Mitchell Hurwitz's voice came in. And you Because mm-hmm. his style of writing on the show, you could just tell... Well, people definitely so have amazing. a fan base of either the first the first few seasons or the, like they're separated between yeah. loving I love it all mm-hmm. I I could not I could watch all of it and be I find it I find it a little almost forced or disingenuous I mean I when an entertainer is so reserved mm-hmm. not that you can't be reserved and also be an entertainer I'm speaking from the standpoint of comedians because we're all comedians mm-hmm. so I think that's even more social but it's like you I mean your entire profession is sharing art and expression with people it just doesn't make sense when I meet someone who's like really coy and aloof it's yeah. like why would you get on stage and perform in front of people if you truly don't want to know people yeah and again not that I'm saying it's not possible I just find it this, it's like yeah. it's such a contradiction for your for all of your choices in your life yeah. you know yeah I almost think it's just like you just do it for you do that for additional attention but I feel like B. Arthur in many respects was sort of the anti she, she kind of took the school of like Catherine Hepburn Betty Davis type actress in that she became known for her personality she became known for sort of like one character that she did which was uh, feminist which was sort of very in charge loud that deep voice you know she had she had a quality to her that put her in control and she wasn't known as like a serious serious actress she had a type and she was yeah. cast as that type and she had a career as that type a very yeah. successful career and I, so I think because of that, if you look at, like, any interview with Katherine Hepburn or Betty Davis later in life, or even Joan Crawford, 
they played that part. Mm-hmm. They stayed in that character. And I don't think B. Arthur was was recognizing that. I don't think B. Arthur wanted to kind of even be a part of that. I mean, she definitely... But she was still a show show woman. I mean, she, like... There's that great Emmys where she she rapped, I think, or danced with Urkel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a hard video to find, but I did find it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. so she had her moments where she played on her personality and mm-hmm. did it. She even did in the 80s... Um, uh, this gold, this 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 grocery store or like drugstore chain commercial. Have you guys seen no. this? Oh my god, you have to Google. I'm gonna Google it now. Yeah. Um, you talk. I'll uh, ba- back to the episode for a second. Yeah. I feel like we should talk about our our episode. It was the first appearance of Stan, mm-hmm. Dorothy's ex husband, Herb uh, Herb Edelman. Um, who is R.I.P. Yeah, who's such an amazing actor and so great throughout the series and. Yeah, how it's, often does he show up? He shows often. up a lot. Not so much in the first season, but, but in later, later on, seasons. him and yeah. Dorothy kind of have an on again, off again, and like his wife leaves him, and then he gets remarried, and he ends up being a really big part of the show, which was oh, nice. But huh. that toupee, yeah, I think, yeah, he, does he ends up losing it? I think after a while, he does. But, yeah, in later seasons, he's just bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was also, um, I think, the, the first in many instances where. Um, an actor or actress will be cast in a specific role and then later will be replaced by a different actor, which was like a huge thing that happened in you know sitcoms, I feel like especially in the 80s, they just yeah. never addressed it. It was only when it happened in like Roseanne with like the different Beckys that they mm-hmm. sort of commented on it in like a cheeky way. But um, So this was our first Kate, yeah. uh, who's Dorothy's daughter, who was played. That, that was recast? Kate was yeah. recast? Yep, so she, yeah. this one was played by Lisa Jane Persky, who was in like When Harry Met Sally. She was like yeah. in a bunch of movies in the 80s. And mm. then later on... You know, we see Kate again, completely different actress, looks absolutely nothing like Kate's her. Kate's only one on thing a few I episodes, noticed, though, right? If you don't mind yeah. me saying, one thing I noticed was I felt they had absolutely no rapport as a mother and daughter. Mm. They seemed mm-hmm. so... Un- they seemed yeah. so unloving mm-hmm. and... I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to... to you know, yeah. play the, the the tightest relationship you could imagine on TV mm-hmm. uh, in the second episode of a season, but like of a show but like it's just you're we're looking at this and you're like there's no way that's her daughter they yeah. don't I seem mean, comfortable she also called like, her mother like yeah, the most right. formal way to address I actually, oh mother like it's just so formal I think the script for this episode was I mean you can kind of tell I think it was kind of weak to be honest um, but and I think the whole episode was uh, written around sort of Stan and Dorothy's dialogue and mm-hmm. the relationship between Stan and Dorothy yeah. and the wedding and everything the cheese balls and everything was just a reaction to, or a filler, really, to um, to Dorothy and Stan. Well, yeah, story. I mean, the wedding was, the wedding itself was an excuse to get them yeah. together. And yeah, I think with the cheese balls, they were just like, you know, we need more, you know, we need more Sophia in this episode, or yeah. we need more Betty White, or, or we need a B story. And they yeah. were just like, well, this is such a heavy A story, you know, there's just so much going on here that... You know, we can't really do much. So. Well, and like shows back in the '80s didn't do sort of what Girls and 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 Parks and Rec and these shows do today, where they will go weird for a storyline and they will like focus yeah. an entire episode like on Girls, where she had that sort of affair with that Bushwick doctor guy, and the whole episode didn't have any of the other cast members, didn't mm-hmm. have any of the other storylines. It was just this one random off event. Yeah, and I feel like this episode actually would have benefited from. Having it be, I mean, I want the all the cast there, but I think it would have been better if it was just Stan coming back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Focusing yeah. on that and and losing everything else and not feeling like you need a B story, right? You know, I would I wouldn't even call it a B story. I'd call it like a B hiccup. 
Like yeah. it was, it, it was, was just a like, hiccup. <laughs> that yeah. was it. Yeah, that was it. So yeah. the the commercial that um, Dorothy did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some audio in a second. As soon as I can skip the, the yeah, ad, because podcasts are a visual medium. Yep, exactly. Yeah. No, but listen. Adorable little tots to make a point. When you bring your film to Shoppers Drug Mart, you are guaranteed a beautiful finish. Star is born. She's taking pictures of children. Of now. other people's children. Yeah. Such poise. <laughs> At Shoppers Drug Mart, the Kodak color. She looks sleepy here. Guarantees She's probably drunk. And every photo deserves a good finish. Almost makes me want one of my own. Almost, not quite. Why is T. Arthur hanging out with? Yes, she did. Other, she did. Yeah. Other kids' children. Um, I don't know. I mean, but, but so that that's Shoppers Drug Mart uh, commercial from the '80s, and there's a whole series of these commercials which you really should watch online. But what's why I played that was it played to her sort of like the caricature of who B. Arthur is. Mm-hmm. That sort yeah. of sassy end about yeah. she's sweet and she's endearing, but she's all like. But I don't actually want children. Yeah. Not a, just, just temporarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, so she, even though she was reserved in real life, I think she knew, you know, smartly, probably she had good management, where she knew that, you know, she had this character, she had this type that she was known for, and she yeah. she worked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would have been so bizarre to see B. Arthur in a really lovey Mm-hmm. Like her in Marvin's room or something, mm-hmm. you know. Like I can't. One of my favorite movies. I uh, love that you just brought up Marvin's nah. room. <laughs> own it on Marvin's DVD. Room. We Wait, should watch what? it. Yes. Yes. Do you own it on DVD? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Oh my god! It stars Diane Keaton. I of course, I own it on DVD. You. I don't know what's I can't happening here. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch that alone. movie without. We're totally off. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. So, um, so yeah. So the introduction of Stan in this episode uh, set up this sort of like ongoing relationship that became a very successful storyline for the rest. I mean, there are even in the last episode of the show, Stan plays a really important part. Mm-hmm. Like Stan. There's a relationship between Stan and Dorothy in many ways humanized Dorothy's character because she was so, like we talked about in the first episode. She's mean she's and so bitter. Mean. Yeah. It's like she was married for 38 years and her husband up and left her for like a 25-year-old flight attendant without telling her. And she learned about it from a lawyer. Yeah. Of course she's bitter. Insane. But then let's also put it into perspective for what was happening on television in 1985. I mean, you had The Cosby Show, which showed very stable relationships. You had mm. Cheers, which showed the beginnings of a very stable relationship mm. between Ted Danson and Shelley Long. You had all Diane. these, like, you had all of these relationships that were very sort of um, normal and, and traditional and, and what you would expect to see. And then you had something like uh, Dorothy's relationship where she played a left woman. She played mm-hmm. yeah. a, a woman who we hadn't really seen much on television. I mean, a little bit with um, Mary Tyler Moore, who, but she left her boyfriend, her fiancé, um, I think. Or was she left? No, she left him. Um, and tried to start this new career as a young woman, etc. But you haven't really had a scorned woman, mm-hmm. um, which I, it, it kind of went off two things, two very popular things in the late 70s and early 80s that uh, that sort of predated the Golden Girls was um, An Unmarried Woman with Jill Clayburgh, which was a huge film in 78. And it played a woman who was left by her husband and she had to find herself again. And mm-hmm. there had never really been a film like yeah. that before. And that showed that kind of sort of modern, real take on... The, the the sort of breakdown of a marriage. And then you also had a comedy series similar sort of to the storyline Kate and Alley, which mm-hmm. came out around the same time as the Golden Girls, where it played two women who were single mothers and 
you know, yeah. we're just trying to. But those two, especially Golden Girls, B. Arthur's character on Golden Girls and Kate and Allie, they really showed sort of like this new wave of what it meant to be a woman post-feminism and what it meant to be sort of you're balancing this traditional life of children and family and love and living your life but at the same time how do you define yourself without the man that defines your life mm-hmm. right you know um, I also like that um, like all of the other characters in the show like Sophia Rose Blanche all their husbands are dead yeah so you know B. Arthur is the only one that can have that kind of you know can have any sort of like husband mm-hmm. you know figure relationship on the show and I really like what they yeah, what they did with it Dorothy and Blanche and Sophia they all talk about their their husbands Rose uh, Rose excuse mm-hmm. me um, Rose Blanche and Sophia all talk about their husbands in relation to their own lives and to yeah. and their and sort of who they are and their being and what how what defines them and Dorothy doesn't have that so yeah. she really is although I thought that she was I mean she like multiple times over the course of the show said she was going to murder Stan like straight up murder yeah. him yeah. and when yeah. she went to go cut the cake Rose yeah. thought that she was going to yeah. stab him to death yeah. so he could have ended up being also a dead husband by the end but yeah. she didn't kill him no she wanted to and how yeah. often is there a show that has such a female centric point of view not I feel like it's especially not, not in the 80s especially not in the 80s it's just not that common you know you're watching and it's, it, I think it appeals to everyone but you definitely feel like this is a show that you know women could appreciate yeah. a lot of the opinions and well and not even just women but like I mean everyone of course but there is something about in our culture rooting for the underdog rooting for the the one that isn't supposed to be doing kind of what they're doing and, mm-hmm. and who's a little bit off the beaten path you know what I mean and all of these women were off the beaten path for women in the 80s mm-hmm. especially women of a certain age in the 80s where they they they're women of that age are either supposed to be widows and our grandmas or were supposed to be like living with their old husbands in yeah. some retirement community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't supposed to be living together and having sex and doing weird things and yeah. having adventures and whatever. And it spoke to women, it spoke to the African American community in that no one can define sort of your experience, your cultural experience. You define your cultural experience. Yeah. It spoke to the gay community. It spoke to so many different communities where it was like it's okay if you're different. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you want to do something different and have a different point of view. And this show gave people an opportunity to watch women in a different light that yeah. then gives them a different point of view. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about how this episode had the longest telephone call oh, of yeah. any yeah. TV show yeah. ever? Well, that, that it felt like a stage, scene, like a play call. It really you know? Well, it's funny because I feel like that opening scene so much happened. The daughter comes in. The daughter's getting married. The daughter's going to go to the Bahamas. No, we'd have the wedding here. We have to invite uh, her father. I have to call her father. I'm on the phone with her father. He can come, but not with his wife. It's like, oh my God, so, so much loaded. just happened yeah. in like four minutes. Yeah. It's, it, I think it, it was definitely a little outdated insofar as I think those things would be broken up a little bit. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and it's all you know happening in the same room, same, yeah. you know. They get up from the couch. They sit, they sit down on the couch. They get mm-hmm. up from the couch. They, sit, they move over to the other side of the room. They talk amongst themselves and they yeah. come back. You yeah. Know? It's so many little asides that we're yeah. having. And it's yeah. funny because, like, you know, like, as an actress, B. Arthur knows she's got she's got a lot of material. Like, she's got a yeah. big monologue in this phone call. But she also has to, like, you know, leave some dead air for Stan to be answering her. But you can tell there's no way that conversation could have happened yeah. that fast. She's just like, hello, Stan. It's me, Dorothy. You know, the one who gave you the greatest years of her thighs? Yes, Kate's getting married. And I'm just like, he is not talking at I all. I love how your voice there was like a 1920s radio <laughs> announcer. Yeah. Yes. Bam. 
That's yes, I got live. Can you yeah. come to the wedding? Great, you can. Chrissy can. I'm just like, when did he have time to check? Did you his buy your schedule? ticket? You bought your ticket. Great. Yes, see, you soon. see you soon. Bye. Bye. Start back. You're already here. Great. <laughs> I know it's so, it's so like silly. should we shift into golden moments? I think it's about that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> golden sure. Moments. So golden moments is when we pee on Yes. I'm out. No, golden moments is sort of a golden takeaway. Sort of what a moment in the show or a moment in the thing that was a lesson for you that you've taken away from this very specific episode or even in the Golden Girls in general. So I'll start off so you can have an example of what a golden moment is. My golden moment from the second episode of the first season of the Golden Girls is Blanche's eye twitch. Now, (laughs) Blanche in the first episode was a very sexual person and that episode very much revolved around her. But uh, but in this episode, we really see a the accent come out. Uh, she, she created this accent. This for was this the episode. first episode of her she accent. Created just for the uh, for the for so the pilot. She has no accent. She has no. It's accent. very subtle. Yeah, they don't want her to have a southern accent. Whereas in this one, she created sort of this mix of May West and Southern. Is oh, it May West? Yeah. May West, yeah. May West and Southern into one accent and created oh. this sort of sort of southern, but not really southern at all accent because she. Yeah, she is Southern. but uh, Her voice is just like, it's so billowy. It's like a willow yeah. tree. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just... But this is the first wonderful. episode where we see her sort of visceral body reaction to her sexual mm-hmm. thoughts and her sexual desires towards men. And there's one moment where she's talking about something, I don't know, but it, it leads to sort of a sexual experience with a man. And what makes Rue McClanahan so great in this moment is that she's not only using her words to illustrate, to paint this picture of this sort of very verbal orgasm she's having but she uses her body in a way without moving her body she uses this eye twitch she has this (laughs) eye twitch where it's like it's a flutter of her eye and you know that inside her her vag is just tweaking away it's just like those kegels are working (laughs) and uh and so my golden moment takeaway from this is to feel our sexual self. You know what I mean? Like, it's important to As they tell him, talking, he's taking his clothes off I'm right now. I'm taking my clothes off, yeah. No, to feel the, the sexua- our own sexuality and to embrace it and not have shame. Oh, that's yes. a great takeaway. I love, Thank too, you. that was the first in many Blanche moments where she starts getting really distracted. Like, she gets into her head about something and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, lots of sweated, giant men, the glistening thighs with... And then all of a sudden she comes out of it and she's like, oh, Rose, when did you get here? Like, <laughs> it's the first of many of those. She's like, what were we talking about? Like, so I love it when she gets into that. Um, I think my golden takeaway is like... No cheese balls at a wedding. No cheese yeah. balls. Very yeah. simple, yeah. but like super simple. They didn't give a fuck about lactose intolerant. No, people. no. <laughs> I guess my golden takeaway, a comparable to yours, is uh, just sort of like the trend that seemed to exist in the '80s, where with Blanche in uh, the Golden Girls with Catherine Helmond on Who's the Boss, mm-hmm. that like for some reason we loved the idea of slutty grandmothers. Yeah. We loved. It's almost like we were craving. Uh, old women getting fucked. I mean, remember Catherine Hellman on Who's the Boss? Well, she was she always getting the show. fucked. She was Susan Harris. She was in Soap, which Susan Harris wrote. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. Susan Harris was like, Golden Girls need some Mona. Yeah. Yes. So maybe, yeah. Maybe we need a Mona. Was, maybe, yeah. maybe that was the dawn of, yeah. you know, sort of geriatric, uh, <laughs> you know, sexual, <laughs> a, a, a healthy sexual life in, yeah. in your later, in your golden years. Yeah. yeah. So that would be my Betty White had that on Mary Tyler Moore, too, when mm-hmm. she, Sue Ann Nevin, she was a very sexual, and she wasn't a 20-some-year-old girl. She was like a woman in her 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. 40s, who, you know, was a very sexual sort of personality. So yeah. it... it it, there, there was something happened in the seventies, uh, probably because of feminism, where women were allowed to be very sexual um, 
in a way that we hadn't seen before. Yep. Women, older women, and, and when I say older, I mean not old, but like 30s, late 30s, 40s, 50s, yep. and on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was great. This was great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, So guys. where can people follow you? Uh, Mr. Brent Sullivan on Twitter. Great. So this was Brent Sullivan, and I am H. Allen Scott. You can follow me at H. A-L-A-N-S-C-O-T-T. And I'm at Squid Eat Squid. <laughs> I feel so weird every time I say yeah, it. You should, you really I'm like, everybody's like, mine is my name. That's a good way to brand yourself. Yeah. I'm like, mine has nothing to do with me or anything else for that matter. Yeah, you should have thought about that one. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's anyway. Fine. Um, well, thank you so much, Brent, for coming on. And thank you so much for that. Till then. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.